This podcast is brought to you by GuestLogix, the leading global provider of ancillary-focused merchandising, payment, and business intelligence technology to the airline industry. To learn how GuestLogix can elevate your ancillary revenue potential, visit www.guestlogix.com. With apologies to Ringo Starr, profits in the airline industry generally don't come easy. But they are right now for a lot of airlines in Europe, and EasyJet was no exception. The low-cost carrier posted a handsome 23% profit margin over the second and third quarters. 23% is very good. Last year, EasyJet posted 22% in the same period, 20% the year before that, and in 2012, 18%. So EasyJet is doing well and steadily getting better. But the airline is not catching Ryanair or Wizz Air, two other major LCCs in Europe. In the second and third quarters combined, Wiz posted a 25% margin and Ryan a 31% margin. So that's my first question on today's show. Is EasyJet's performance a disappointment when considering its LCC peers? And it's the first of many questions, as we have a lot to cover. Earnings season is wrapping up, and I want to talk about Air Berlin, Kenya Airways, Thai Airways, LATAM, and Goal. If you're counting, that's four continents, all coming up now on this week's Airline Weekly Lounge. for joining us. I'm Jason Cottrell, and joining me is gentleman and scholar Seth Kaplan, managing partner here at Airline Weekly. Good to be with you, Jason. So again, EasyJet has done well, but not quite as well as Wiz and Ryan. And somebody's got to be the best. I get that. But I can still ask, why not EasyJet? Well, they've really gained a lot of ground. You know, if you take sort of the longer view, this was a, a low-cost carrier that vastly underperformed uh, Ryanair, for example, most prominently up until not too many years ago. And really over the past half decade, uh, EasyJet has closed the gap a lot, uh, you know, to the point where uh, last year, the margin gap for for that summer half, uh, you know, EasyJet reports only half. So then, you know, you have to sort of combine those quarters for Ryanair to get something comparable. Uh, You know, EasyJet underperformed Ryanair by only four points last year. And if anything, they, they they slipped relatively a bit this year. Now they improved compared to last year, but Ryanair improved more. So basically, the 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 you know that whole closing the gap uh, has has slowed, if not stopped. Uh, but again, you, you know the longer term view here is that uh, you know, EasyJet is not underperforming Ryanair by all that much now, or, or Wizz Air for that matter. Uh, whereas they had in fact done so up until not too many years ago. Uh, you know, there are various reasons for it. I mean, one is simply Ryanair's costs are lower. Uh, you know, it, it just has ultra low costs. So does Wiz. Uh, so, you know, all things being equal, well, they're going to be more profitable, you know, if the if the fare environment were the same. Now, sure enough, EasyJet does get somewhat higher fares, but not enough uh, to make up for the, the cost differential. Another thing, uh, you know, by the way, is aircraft. Uh, you know, this is something they're solving. At this point, 60% of their fleet 
it is still A319, the smaller aircraft, of course, compared to A320s that uh, that Wiz flies. Wiz is actually getting into A321s as well. You know, smaller than the 737-700s that that Ryanair has. So, uh, you know, you know, your unit cost of a smaller plane are, are going to tend to be higher. Uh, EasyJet very innovatively years back worked with Airbus to to put a, a second exit row into the A319s to allow it to pack more seats onto the 319 than anybody else. I mean, they put 154 seats on those, uh, which, uh, you know, which, which makes spirit, for example, look uh, not dense at all at 145 seats on a 319. So, uh, so it's a very, very densely configured 319, but still a 319. It's 154 seats, not 180 or soon, you know, 186 seats uh, on some A320s. Uh, you know, their fleet is becoming more and more A320 and eventually A320neo. Uh, so so part of it's just the economics of their aircraft. And that's something uh, that's improving. And, and that's going to be a really big tailwind for them going forward. Now, in our issue, we listed a lot of reasons why EasyJet had a solid half. Strong home currency, strengthening economies around Europe, cheaper fuel, of course. But one of those reasons was that they figured out how to make money in all seasons. What are they doing to make money in the fall and winter quarters? Well, some of the same things that other airlines are doing, you know, varying their capacity and, and allocating their capacity in different ways. Uh, they, they actually manage their network very dynamically. Uh, you know, first of all, they have very little patience for routes that don't work. Uh, that you know, there's always some churn there. The lowest performing routes just just leave the system. Uh, but yeah, you know, a lot of it is simply that they they fly a lot less in, in the winter than they do in the summer, uh, and, and they and they fly to different places. So uh, so yeah, you know, basically just just you know, basic supply and demand economics. You know, really matching capacity with demand. Uh, in as precise a way as they've ever done, and and you know focusing on the kinds of traffic that can be strong during the winter, uh, you know that 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 strong corporate traffic base that they've relied on for many years, uh, you know very much uh, still as important to them as, as as it ever was. You mentioned corporate traffic. Ryanair has been trying to grab EasyJet's corporate traffic. How much of a factor is that? Well, it probably matters. Uh, you know, Ryanair. Uh, yeah, for for years. You know, to, to say it didn't eco accommodate corporate traffic was almost understating the case. You know, it, it almost sort of taunted its customers and, you know, was was very proud of, of um, not doing the kinds of things that you would have to do to uh, to be friendly to corporate travelers. And look, while it's still an airline that, that you know, so it, it's possible to overstate how much it, it has changed. You know, Ryanair is, is still in most ways still the same airline. Uh, you know, with a very low cost base and lots of extra fees and, and, and all the rest of it. But I mean, look, it, it, it has pivoted toward the corporate travel community, at least saying, look, you know, um, let's not shun them, uh, you know, when there are relatively simple things and, and profitable things that we can do to uh, to welcome the board. Let's do it. Uh, you know, and, and so uh, logically, uh, some percentage of those people who, who now feel comfortable flying Ryanair and who wouldn't have thought of doing so in years past are, are people who might have chosen EasyJet. Uh, you know, again, uh, don't want to overstate the case. You know, Ryanair is still in most ways still the airline it's always been. And EasyJet is the airline it's always been, uh, you know, still more dependent on primary airports than Ryanair is and so forth. But yeah, Ryanair has moved somewhat into EasyJet's turf. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if, if it doesn't explain, you know, EasyJet perhaps not having even greater margins, it might at least explain why Ryanair has improved its margins so much. I mean, we're talking an airline already from a very high base 
that somehow managed to have one of the biggest improvements uh, in in the world. Uh, so so at least um, at least could explain why the gap has has once again widened over the past year, whereas uh, as we discussed a few moments ago, it, it had been uh, decreasing for several years. Okay, one more EasyJet question. I read in Airline Weekly that 80% of EasyJet's capacity touches an airport where it's either number one or number two in market share. Why does that matter? It's a good question because, look, uh, there are very successful airport uh, airlines, rather, in the world uh, who, who really don't care about market share, uh, you know, who, who who almost shun the idea of market share, you know, who, who will tell you, look, we're, we're looking at profits. You know, we're not trying to be big. We're trying to be profitable. Uh, and, and that's always a good starting point. I mean, it, it, it's uh, you know certainly a lot of times over the years when an airline has talked too much about market share, you know. You know, the alarm bells could kind of ring in your head because, you know, because that's that's obviously not the goal. Um, but, you know, even though that's not the end point market share for certain kinds of airlines, it can be a uh, a cause of other things going well. Um, and, and specifically, you have an airline industry that's called QSI, Quality Service Index. And it, it, it's a complex mathematical formula. But but basically, the idea is that an airline that is dominant uh, will have outsized revenue performance. And, and, and you know that's because of things like, uh, look, if you have the most frequencies in a market, you are the most relevant to corporate travelers. Uh, so if you have uh, you know six frequencies in a given market each day rather than three, uh, you're probably not going to have twice the revenue, you might have, uh, you know, closer to two and a half times the revenue because, uh, you know, corporate travelers know if they fly your airline and they need to make changes, there's more likely to be another flight to accommodate them. Uh, you know, you probably have the bigger frequent flyer base, uh, you know, lots of people in town, uh, willing to do all kinds of things to accumulate your miles. And then, uh, uh and then, you know, sort of with a bias toward flying you because you're, you're the more useful airline. EasyJet of course, doesn't have a traditional frequent flyer plan yet. They're only beginning to dabble with that, but those are the kinds of things uh, that can explain why, uh, again, although market share should not be the goal of any airline, it, it, it can be helpful uh, in terms of, of capturing an outsized uh, percentage of, of particularly corporate travel, uh, travel revenue. Before we leave Europe, now that all the third quarter reports are in, what have we learned? A few weeks ago, we were talking about Air France, KLM, and Lufthansa with their 12% and 13% margins, respectively. Since then, with the smashing success of IAG, Ryanair, EasyJet, WizAir, Pegasus, others, with all these really stellar numbers coming in, does it recast your view of the Air France, KLM, and Lufthansa numbers? Not really. Uh, you, you know, they still did rather well in terms of their improvement uh, year over year. You know, kind of like we were talking about. Well, you know, EasyJet's doing phenomenally well, but it didn't improve too much. Uh, you know, Ryanair somehow was already doing phenomenally well and and did manage to improve a lot. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Air France, KLM, and Lufthansa had had nice year over year improvements. Uh, and, uh, those are perfectly respectable margins that we, I remember we talked a few weeks ago about almost being surprised that, uh, that, uh, that the 13% margin for Lufthansa was its best ever. Cause you wouldn't think that that would be an airline's best ever, but, uh, but it was, um, so, so no, um, they, they should feel good about those. Now, uh, you know, obviously the world is, is changing in, in, in important ways. I mean, Lufthansa, you have just all of these debilitating strikes that have, uh, that have happened, uh, Air France, KLM dealing with, with something far more tragic now uh and 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 these questions about lingering uh uh drops in demand for travel to france 
uh, and perhaps elsewhere in Europe as well. Uh, that's something we'll have to see as as the the weeks unfold and as airlines make more public statements about that. But so certainly some some clouds gathering on the horizon for those reasons and others. But uh, no, those third quarter numbers for them uh, are are numbers that uh, you know g- given challenges that they've managed to overcome, they, they they should be proud of. What about the troubled Air Berlin? I imagine their six percent Q three margin is not a sign the ship is turning around. Not at all. I, I mean, somehow they managed to have their margin deteriorate year over year, which is almost impossible. If I'm not mistaken, um, they're the only airline in the world. I, I can't think of another airline whose margins actually slipped year over year because everybody had you know the cheaper fuel. And yeah, some didn't benefit as much from it as much as others because of, of wrong way hedges and, and bad currency movements and the rest of it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, to have your margins slip this third quarter compared to last third quarter, is uh is is was a rarity and again it's not as if they were starting at, at a high place um you know it's an airline that's basically insolvent it's been kept kept alive uh by by etihad uh, uh primarily and uh and is gonna have to figure some things out because it's really uh as much as any other airliner in the world caught in the middle between better revenue producers and lower cost airlines. Uh, and it, 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 uh, you know, it's costs aren't all that low and it's revenues aren't all that high. Uh, and, and that is not a good place to be. Let's go to Thailand where Thai airways is not having the enjoyable season that European airlines are. Despite the drop in fuel prices, Thai posted a negative 6% operating margin. The third quarter isn't their best quarter, but there was a time they used to make money in Q3. What's changed? Yeah, you're right. You know, they're an airline. A lot of people don't realize they 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 profited something like I think it was 39 out of 40 years up until just a few years ago. You know, not not an airline most people would think of as a profit machine, and and they didn't have extraordinary profits all the time, but just sort of you know an airline that consistently broke even, and then then that stopped. Uh, look, a lot of it just has to do with the with the capacity situation in Southeast Asia in general. Uh, uh, and look, and I mean, they participated in that along with along with everybody else, uh, you know, including low cost carriers in which uh, they own interests, you know, Nokia and others. Um, and so, uh, you know, so so that was the starting point. And then beyond that, you have the things that have happened in in uh, in the region, uh, you know, political unrest at, at times in Thailand, um, and the fact that for them, a currency movements that should have been beneficial. Uh, were not as helpful as you might have on the surface thought they would have been. And what I'm talking about is that the Thai bot, uh, Thailand's currency, uh, has actually held up rather well. You know, generally the airline industry uh, having a strong home currency is is a good thing because it's helpful with fuel costs and aircraft costs. You know, any dollar denominated costs. And uh, and it means your local population at least has has good spending power. The problem is that Thailand is a market where the flows are are s- so directional. Uh, you know, it, it, there's there's very little outbound demand from Thailand relatively. It's kind of all inbound demand. Uh, so when you have a currency like the Thai baht that's held up strongly vis-a-vis other important uh, currencies like the euro, which are where you want to sell your airline tickets to people. But now, you know, Thailand doesn't look maybe so cheap compared to other destinations. Uh, for them, uh, they're one of the few airlines that you know, arguably, uh, you know, although not on the cost side overall, w- would enjoy a weaker currency. We've got one stop to make in Africa this week, and that is Kenya Airways. 
the airline reported a negative 9% margin, and that was a big improvement from a negative 21% margin in the prior quarter. If it weren't for terrorism in Ebola, would Kenya Airways be doing okay? Well, they'd be doing a lot better. There's no question about that. Yeah. Uh, hard to imagine a, a result as bad as theirs being kind of impressive, but you know, in, in a sense it was. Um, you, you know, you, you also have, in addition to, to terrorism in Kenya, which you can uh, very much understand why people stayed away after that, uh, and in addition to Ebola, which was uh, sort of a much more questionable reason to stay away from Kenya, considering that you know Nairobi is farther from uh, you know from Conakry and the places where Ebola was striking than uh, you know than plenty of places around the world are, are distant from other places where people would you know would go with no problem. Uh, you know something had gone wrong, but uh, but the fears were very real and that kept people away and that's all that mattered. Uh, but you know, in, in addition to that, you just have uh, the fact that Africa in general, you know, just emerging economies more broadly uh, are, are are suffering right now. Um, you know, the, there's uh, the balance of power has shifted in, in, in the world, um, broadly speaking, from, uh, you know, from emerging markets back to uh, the developed markets, obviously, with exceptions in, in both cases. And uh, so, yeah, just just a lot going against them. Of course, cheaper fuel has helped, uh, you know, and that's that's a major reason why uh, the result wasn't wasn't even worse. And, and it was actually quite a bit better than they had been expecting at one point. But um, uh, but yeah, not an easy place to be. But having said that, yeah, if you take out sort of the terrorism and Ebola, uh, it, it, you know, you, you would likely have closer to a break even airline as opposed to one in, in the awful situation that it's in. Another thing, by the way, they they've. Um, they have Dreamliners coming in, and, uh, and and those have been very helpful because basically that's helped them down gauge in many cases from triple sevens onto uh, you know rather efficient smaller aircraft, uh, w- which is very useful when you're dealing with less demand. To, you know, to, it's helped them cut capacity quite a bit just by uh, renewing the fleet. In South America, LATAM is no doubt finding that it bought into Brazil at a difficult time. But when I look at our write-up last week, it's still a reasonably healthy airline. They're at least in the black. They earned a 5% margin, and that was up 1% from last year. Yeah, one point from last year. And it, it, it um, yeah, it, look, this is a well-managed airline, an airline that, uh, uh, you know, uh, was always very successful, uh, you know, in terms of its Chilean operation and operations elsewhere in, in, in Peru and so forth. And you're right, they uh, they had long on the land side, uh wanted to be involved in Brazil. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and their, their timing was terrible. Now, um, you know, was it a mistake? Well, that's harder to say because, you know, in the very long term, um, you know, the, this, this might all work out very well. Um, you know, and had they not done that, perhaps somebody else, uh, would have, would have gotten Tam and, um, you know, they would have, been strategically challenged, perhaps uh, again for the very long term, but but no question, it, it, the Brazilian side of the company is is uh, is is weighing on on the whole company. Uh, you know, even though there are other trouble spots as well in uh, in South America, but um, uh, yeah, you know, they're they're doing the right things. Uh, the, really, all the big airlines in Brazil right now are, are cutting capacity, trying to uh, you know trying to just better match capacity with demand, and demand has dropped so much. Uh, that it requires the big cuts that that they're making, but you know they'll they'll probably be fine. Uh, you know there are signs that maybe things have bottomed out there, um, and uh, you know some reasons for optimism. But uh, having said that, uh, you know we're probably a long way from 
the days were again at least on the land side uh they posted some some of the world's better margins uh, you know, obviously nowhere near there right now and that brings us to goal who is almost entirely exposed to brazil and its economy that's plunging deeper into recession but still goal at least managed to nearly break even could it have been worse yeah uh you know it, it, it could have been you know again they've they've certainly been aggressive about uh about cutting capacity um you know they're getting out of some of that uh, u.s flying that that they had started where um i mean now with azul flying non-stop with giant a330s to to florida uh you know however dicey that operation was to begin with you know sort of the one-stop service on narrow bodies all the way from brazil uh, obviously just just that much more difficult now between the new capacity from azul and just all the other economic challenges uh so so in that way and others you know they've they've um they've reformed themselves uh, to the extent possible. And, uh, and, and again, it's just sort of reason for optimism that maybe, maybe, uh, the, the worst is, is behind them. Uh, don't forget also that, that for these airlines, um, Argentina, uh, just selected new leadership, which seems to be, uh, you know, from, from a, a liberal economic standpoint, uh, you know, somebody wants to see markets opened up and so forth seems to be, uh, more the kind of government that, that, airlines elsewhere not to mention within argentina as well uh might might like to have so that could create an opportunity if, if we see some market liberalization there are some new uh opportunities for airlines uh abroad uh outside argentina you know and of course brazil is interested in argentina as any other country as well as don't forget latam has an argentinian unit that's that's uh that's there as well that could benefit from that so um that's another reason for for some optimism in, in an important market okay moving from the struggles of south america to a different kind of struggle the holiday travel season is kicking off in America with the Thanksgiving holiday this week. I know this from the calendar, but I also can tell because the mainstream media is freaking out again about crowded planes and airports. You and I have talked about this for years. What does the mainstream media typically get wrong about the holiday traffic story? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just the this idea people seem to have that things are more likely to go wrong when it's a holiday. I mean, you know, flights are canceled in the days surrounding Thanksgiving for the same reason flights are canceled any other day, you know, because of, of weather or, you know, or mechanical issues and, and so forth. The difference is that because so many people are traveling because flights are very full, um, it, it is harder to reaccommodate, uh, inconvenience passengers, you know, because there just aren't all that many empty seats on, on, you know, on the next flight to, to roll people onto. So, uh, so, so, you know, that's, uh, that's probably the biggest misconception. You know, when the weather's okay, it all goes rather smoothly. Uh, you know, it, it, of course, airlines nowadays vary capacity. And yeah, there are more flights on the day before Thanksgiving than there are some other days during the fall. But, you know, it's, it's just like any day in the summer or any other peak uh, travel uh, period. So uh, so basically, it, it, it just tends to come down to uh, more than anything else, you know, how's the weather? And, and uh, no question, when it does cause cancellations, recovering from that can be quite a challenge. Thanks, Seth. Terrific work as always. We'll wrap right there. As a reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and we encourage you to forward it to your friends and colleagues. Happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners. Thank you for stopping by the Airline Weekly Lounge. You're not going to be on a plane this week, are you? No, I mean, I, I would. It's just that most of my close family is locally. <laughs>